Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. Good morning, guys. How are you guys doing? Uh, before we start, I'm actually a little cold. Do you mind if we take this outside? Can we go and... No, I wouldn't do that to you guys. I care too much about you. Uh, uh, it is so cool uh, to be here with you guys. On it, like, legitimately cool to just be here. Um, I love this church. Uh, me and my wife, Danny, love being a part of this church. Um, we love you guys. Uh, when we're not here on a Sunday, we wish we were here on a Sunday. Uh, and so it's just good to be here. Um, I... Uh, I it's an even bigger honor uh, just for me to be able to come up and share uh, my story in front of you all, uh, just looking out on you guys. It's the, it's the faces that Jesus has used to work miracles um, in my life, in Danny's life. Uh, and so we are so uh, just thankful for you guys, and I'm excited to be up here. Um, I mentioned uh, my wife. Let's take a look at her. Uh, there she is. Beautiful, uh, amazing, one of the greatest gifts the Lord has ever given me. Uh, and uh, another gift is uh, that's uh, our first anniversary, which was last month, uh, and we got to spend it in Basel, Switzerland, uh, which was amazing. And uh, that's because for the month of June, about five weeks, we were leading uh, our ETN base in London, England, uh, supporting a church planning team that we have there, and it was so much fun serving the Lord uh, in that city, but uh, even more fun serving the Lord alongside uh, my awesome wife. And so uh, look forward to so many more experiences like that, serving the Lord alongside you. So um, it's also an honor for me to be a part of this uh, series. If you've been with us, you know that we're talking about uh, the big story of God, what he's doing, the big saga that he's writing uh, about creation, bringing creation uh, into new creation, restoring it, redeeming it, all those things. Um, and then over the summer, we've had this uh, conversation with uh, multiple speakers from the church getting to talk about uh, how they uh, found themselves in that story of God. Uh, personally, how did they find themselves there? Uh, and I've loved it. Uh, I uh, am a big comic book guy, like the actual paper ones. And so hearing all these things, it's like origin stories of like all these heroes in the church. And so much, it's so much fun. Who is Aaron before she was, you know, the intercessor, right? You know, like, that is so cool. Uh, I eat that up all day long, you know, give me more. Uh, so it's been so much fun uh, to hear these things. And everyone else, I mean, uh, Brian, James, Isaiah, Emily, uh, you know, all these people should be wearing capes because of how they're serving the Lord. It's so uh, cool to hear from each of them. Uh, and now I get the honor to share a little bit about my story. Uh, and what I want to do, uh, because we've taken so much time to talk about God's big plan for the cosmos, where is the whole universe heading towards, um, what I really want to talk about today is, is your story. What is, God's, what is the story that God is writing for you? What is your character arc as we go through, um, as, as you live out your story? What is it that God wants for you? What is his will for you, uh, what are his greatest desires for you? So I'm gonna uh, 
share some thoughts on that, mix in my life scripture, uh, a little bit of my testimony, and hopefully by the end you have a little more clarity uh, about God's uh, greatest ambitions for your life. Uh, does that sound like something you might want to know about? Uh, okay, so let's, uh, let's jump in. I'll pray, uh, and then we'll get started. So, uh, Lord, yeah, Jesus, we just love you. Um, yeah, you have the words of life. Lord, where else would we go? You alone have the words of life, so we ask that the words of life would be spoken today. Uh, just give you this stage to do what you want to do. Lord, come, do your thing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so where we're going to be parked today uh, is in Philippians 3. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can flip there. Um, I, uh, I do not have my Bible. Um, I, left, I lost it on the plane ride home, uh, so I am, uh, I'm preaching from my wife's turquoise uh, ESV Bible. If that's not security in the Lord, I don't know what it is. Uh, <laughs> goes with my outfit a little bit, so that's kind of cool. But um, so we're in, we're in Philippians 3. Uh, let me uh, prep your heart a little bit about what Philippians 3 is all about. Uh, Paul is dealing with this question what, of what you should and should not glory in, okay? Uh, in other words, uh, the scripture we're about to read uh, could be asking you questions like, what is it that you rejoice in? What do you put your confidence in? What do you get value from? What do you put value into? And ultimately, it asks this question, what are you ambitious for? And these are the questions I invite us to be uh, asking ourselves as we go through the scripture, especially as we talk about God's story for you. Uh, figuring out what it is that you're most ambitious for is going to set the trajectory for where you go. Right, And so uh, I hope by the end of this, we get a little bit more of God's heart, his ambitions for us, so we can uh, stay on that path uh, that he has written out for us. Uh, and I hope that by the end of it, we get uh, three main conclusions. The same conclusions that I think uh, that I think Paul came to by the end of his wrestling with these questions, uh, the things that the Lord has taught me as well, uh, and hopefully uh, by the end of this, you, you'll have he heard them a little more clearly. Uh, those three things being that uh, the flesh is utterly inadequate as a source of glory. A relationship with Jesus is our ultimate source of glory, and then deepening that relationship with him is worthy of being our singular ambition. All right, uh, let's read a little bit. Uh, Philippians 3, we're going to be dealing with verses 1 through 14 by the end of this, but I'll take it chunks at a time. Uh, so we're going to just start with verses 1 through 6. All right, here's what it says. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, 
a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. All right, so what are we, what's going on here? What is this list that Paul gives us uh, that makes him sound like the last person you would ever want to get a cup of coffee with? Uh, what is he talking about? Uh, what, well, what he's talking about, this list, is the things about himself that he saw as uh, the most important things about himself, right? These are the things that uh, he was most proud of. Uh, they were the things that he got uh, his glory from because he thought by, um, because of these things, you know, these are things that are, these are all external things, right? They're, they're either things literally about his body, uh, bragging about being circumcised, weird flex, you know, but, uh, and uh, his blood, right? His tribe, these kinds of things, uh, or like, uh, or things that he's doing, right? He thought that uh, by living the way that he was living, you know, by following the law to the T, by persecuting religious dissenters, you know, things like that, he thought that what he was doing was achieving for himself righteousness. He thought he was achieving for himself eternal glory, eternal life, right? And ultimately, he thought he was achieving favor from God himself by doing these things, by living this way. Well, I often like to think of what must have been going through Paul's mind, Acts 9, where God shows up, blinds him, knocks him down, you know, he's in the dirt, rolling around, blind, listening to God over him, uh, ask, why are you persecuting me? <laughs> right? This guy who'd built his whole life around doing what he thought God wanted, uh, his whole life around uh, following the law, following God's way, suddenly realized that all of it had actually landed him as an enemy of God. Right? There had to be an oh shoot moment, right? <laughs> Where, where he's like, I did not have it figured out like I thought I did, right? Because all of a sudden, I'm in opposition to God. I'm an enemy of God. There's no glory for an enemy of God, right? So uh, for me, in my story, uh, I wouldn't say that I was necessarily working to achieve righteousness, eternal life. Those weren't really things on my radar uh, before knowing Jesus. Uh, but I was looking for favor, and if not favor from God, uh, definitely favor from other people, right? <laughs> Getting other people to give me glory uh, was what I lived for. It's what I based my life around. It's what I boasted in. Uh, so my list of achievements, like Paul, uh, would have sounded uh, like, and I was in high school, all right, so mercy, uh, uh, would have sounded like, uh, you think you have reason for confidence in the flesh. I have more. Captain of the football team, Again, mercy, gosh. 4.4 uh, GPA, uh, handsome, <laughs> polite, uh, never caught doing anything wrong. Caught, uh, never caught. Uh, you know, most friends liked by uh, almost everyone that I met, uh, had the most, you know, girls crushing on me, things like that. And those were, uh, those were the things that I legitimately grew up hearing about myself from a being a kid, I mean, like first grade, right? I remember feeding off of all these things that people would say about me. It became my source of glory, right? This reputation that I had uh, became the most important thing to me because I, would walk, I could walk around a little bit taller than everyone else because everyone else was constantly feeding me all this glory, all this praise. And 
what happened uh, was the worst thing that could have happened to me. Um, I moved. Uh, I grew up in California, uh, and I came to school at TCU. Um, and uh, my reputation did not uh, precede me. Somet- somehow, um, somehow my, the tales of my exploits back on the West Coast uh, hadn't made its way across the desert yet. So there was a breakdown of communication. Something happened. I showed up at TCU, no red carpet, no parade, nothing. And I'm like, this place needs me. I can't believe the... I can't believe the, the manners here. Don't they know who I am? Um, but I was like, I mean, I, I, so I showed up, um, and I wanted to live kind of the college lifestyle, right? So I was chasing, I was chasing uh, drinks and girls and all those kinds of things. And, um, and what ended up happening was that I made some just absolutely hideous, gross mistakes, right? Just absolutely... Uh, shamed myself, hurt other people, uh, found myself with this reputation completely opposite from what I once had, right? I was this great, likable guy. Everyone loved me. Uh, and all of a sudden, because of these things that I was doing, the mistakes I was making, it was honestly the first time in my life I like, <laughs> had people not like me and for really, really good reasons. Like they had every reason to not like me. Uh, and I realized, like Paul realized, um, that being living out of confidence in the flesh made him an enemy of God. I realized for myself that living out of confidence in my flesh made me an enemy even of myself, like I was <laughs> wrecking my own life, right? I was hurting people. I was being the kind of guy that I never wanted myself to be. Um, and I realized also that glory from other people was just unreliable. It's just they can't give me enough. Right? There's nothing that I could hear that was going to actually put uh, peace in this heart that, actually, that was just craving uh, praise nonstop. Right? So, um, so uh, right there, um, that, I remember this moment, just total identity crisis, crying. I realized, um, I realized I need to go to church. Thank God for mom and dad who showed me that I needed to go to church. That's where those things came from. But I wouldn't say that that was like my big you know, Damascus Road moment, eyes opened uh, to God. What I would point to for that is about two years later, um, I'd been coming to Antioch for that time, life group, church, um, but total double life, totally still doing my college thing, chasing after drinks and girls. Uh, they had, you know, and nobody had any idea, so I could go to church and get all the praise, even from other people. Oh, you're so nice. So good to see young men at church, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then go and do my own thing, uh, you know, every other day of the week, you know. Um, but uh, spring break of my junior year, uh, I ended up going on the, the college mission trip to Tijuana. And uh, honestly, I think just because nobody invited me to what they were doing, uh, so I ended up there. Uh, and, and so I, it was towards the end of the week, and up to this point, we had had these powerful uh, teachers come, talk about the heart of God, talk about um, you know, God's, God's love for us, and uh, we'd have these great worship sets, open heaven, just going for it. Um, and then we'd been on outreach, and I'd seen God do things that I had, I had no idea he still did, right? I saw people longing for him uh, and being able to deliver you know, Jesus to them, and it was, my eyes were being opened to what it's like to follow the Lord, what it's like to, um, yeah, to walk with him, you know? 
And uh, it was towards the end of the week, and we were just in this worship session. I just remember um, just going for it in worship. Like, God had won my heart that week, and I was, I was just giving him everything, like authentic, really going for it. And I'll never forget, I was worshiping, and just out of, I mean, it was a sense, but I knew exactly what God was saying. And what he was saying was, Jordan, the attention that you are giving me right now is the attention that I have for you constantly. Right? And he, he says, I don't divide my attention between you and every other thing I have going on. You are the most important thing to me. And me with my double life, my first thought was also, oh shoot, <laughs> my priorities were wrong. But when it really hit me, um, who was saying that to me, that that was the God of the universe of creation speaking those words to me, um, I, just, I just melted, right? And, uh, and the prideful me that thought I could work myself uh, to glory was forced to lean back, except that I could never work into that love that I had just experienced and receive that. I had to stop striving over my hands and just receive it straight from the Lord, everything that I had been trying to get from other people. And so I went home from that trip with a hunch that uh, I, I think following Jesus might be the best thing ever. Like, I was like, it's possible that a relationship with Jesus might be worth everything uh, that, uh, everything else that I was trying to get glory from. Uh, and so I went home, totally reoriented my life, um, made room for him, uh, gave him time to, to prove to me that what I thought was true was true. Um, and eventually, uh, he proved it, that hunch. He proved, and I began to learn that a relationship with Jesus is the ultimate source of glory. Our second conclusion. Uh, okay, so uh, let's keep reading. Philippians 3, 7 through 9. Listen to Paul come to this conclusion, all right? Paul says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, just knowing him, right? For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Paul found himself in Jesus, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. <laughs> Paul also went home from his experience and reoriented his life around Jesus uh, and what he found was true glory. He'd experienced true glory uh, in right standing with the king of glory. So wh where does that glory come from? It comes from words of love spoken to you straight from the God of the universe, right? It comes from feeling his presence around you and knowing with full confidence that it's his pleasure to be there. He's not repulsed, right? He's not shielding himself from it, but he's glad to uh, have his presence rest on you. It's from knowing that he's happy to forgive all your sins and not hold a single one of them against you. 
That's glory, right? Uh, that is glory straight from the heaven, the glory that we were meant to have. But it's not just that Paul kind of measured up, uh, okay, the glory I once had versus this glory in Jesus. Yeah, this is a little better, so I'm gonna drop that. That's not quite it. What he realized is that he had to totally uh, just clean house, get rid of all those things that he once had glory in, confidence in, in order to fully receive the glory that Jesus had for him, right? That's why he says uh, that he counted them all as rubbish in order that he might gain Christ and be found in him. This has been true in my experience. As long uh, as I you know, even if I wanted some of this glory, but I was more eagerly trying to grab from it uh, in the people around me or from, from money or from grades or anything like that, uh, I was not open, right? I was not open to what Jesus uh, wanted to give me, right? Uh, as long as my ears were tuned to hear what other people were saying about me, the praises that they had for me, all those kinds of things, uh, I was not, my ears were not tuned to hear Jesus saying those words. Because every time I would listen, I'd hear the same thing from him, that my eyes are on you, that I'm with you, that, I'm love you, that I love you. But if I'm listening even for that from, from friends or from uh, you know, girlfriends, whoever, you know, I wasn't hearing that from the Lord and I couldn't get the fullness of that glory. That is why Paul is so aggressive in this verse, uh, calling those with confidence in the flesh dogs. That's not good Christian language. Like, if I heard, if he said that, I'd be like, hey, Paul, give him a chance, man. Like, the benefit, they're probably doing their best, right, aren't they? But he's like, watch out for the dogs. You know why? Because these people who are teaching that you could have a little bit of Jesus, but you still had to work your way there, uh, they were robbing these new Christians of the greatest thing that Paul had found in his life, which is just relationship with Jesus. And he was, he was so eager to say, no, don't even listen to those guys. Beware. If you see them, go the other way because they are going to ruin what you could have if you just have faith, if you just trust, if you just relax and rest in who Jesus says that you are. This has always been God's desire. His, God, uh, his desire has always been that, that you would find glory in simply knowing him. I love what it says in Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. God says, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things, I delight declares the Lord. I love, I mean, the wisest of men, the mightiest of men, the richest of men don't have what you have. They don't have the glory that you have. Your glory is in knowing the Lord. They envy what you have because you walk with God. You have a built in, you have the Holy Spirit built in connection with him. And that is all the glory that we need one more scripture before we move on to the next point. And I love, I love this scripture. I love Exodus 33. Uh, this is talking, about, uh, verses 10 and 11 talks about the tent of meeting uh, where Moses would meet with uh, God face to face, okay? And this is what it says. It says, whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped each at the entrance of their own tent. 
the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And then I love this. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. I love that. Joshua's cool in my book, man, because, because he has the most obvious response to what you should do if God is in a tent and made himself available to you, right? I imagine him going, being invited in for the first time with Moses into this tent where God is there face to face, and he's sitting there, I mean, literally in heaven, and, and he's just entranced, eyes fixed on God, can't look at anything else. And, and then he just hears next to him, Moses go, all right, that's enough for today. I gotta get to work, right? And Joshua's sitting there, and he's like, where are you going? You have something more important than, th- do you know who this is? This is God in a tent. Why are you going somewhere else? And, but that heart is what God is always after, isn't it? Because that's clearly the most important thing. That's clearly the reaction to have. It's no wonder that God would use Joshua uh, to lead, to finish the job, lead people into the promised land because he had that heart, just longing for a relationship, able to lead his people because of that, right? I meet a lot of college students who struggle with the same kinds of things that I struggled with as a college student. Um, and I want so badly to like give them the uh, easy, practical tip to help them get out of that sin or that insecurity or whatever, right? The app, I wish I could just have them download an app and they'd get rid of that. But when I, when I think back to my own story and how I uh, overcame you know, that sin or that insecurity or whatever, the only thing that I could, the only thing that I could point to is that I just, I wouldn't leave the tent. I just stayed in the tent. If God wanted to meet me at 6.30 in the morning in my bedroom, that's where I'm going to be. That's the only place I want to be. And I try to look back and think, okay, how did I, how did I get past that addiction, that insecurity, that need or whatever? How did I make it through that hard situation? All I remember was the presence of God in my house, right? In my dorm. And from there, there was, just, there was just victory, right? And there's nothing else I can point you to uh, to win the battle that you're in, but it's just get yourself in the tent. That's all it is. Uh, and there's no, there's no practical besides that. It's, that. it's just knowing him. It's receiving words from him, letting him speak into your life. Uh, that brings the victory. That brings the glory uh, that your life is destined for. Okay, so um, yeah, that, that relationship, it's the only only true source of glory. And because of that, deepening that relationship with Jesus should be your single ambition. The one thing that you are shooting for. Man. <laughs> it's the most important thing. Let's keep reading. Uh, listen to the ambition here in Paul's voice, okay? We'll close out verses 10 through 14. Paul says, not that I've already obtained this. Oh, I'm sorry, verses 10. Let's start there. Uh, not that I may know him. <laughs> Count him as lost so that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect. <laughs> Good word. 
haven't obtained it, not perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I love the ambition there. I love Paul's heart to know every single part of Jesus, not just the good stuff. Paul's like, I don't just want, I don't, I don't just want his peace. I don't just want his wisdom. I don't just want his knowledge, right? But I want to know him in his sufferings. Oh, if I could share in his sufferings, is what Paul says. Oh, man, if I could even become like him in his death, what a glory that would be. And then, oh, if I could taste his resurrection, if I could be like him in his resurrection, that's all I want. Our invitation is just to know Jesus fully in every part of him. And that's not an anti-missional calling by any means. I don't think you can have that kind of relationship with Jesus and him not call you into service, right? And even those acts of service are invitations where you get to know him better, right? I want to know Jesus in his disciple-making, right? And there's so much room to do that. If you want to know Jesus more, start discipling some people, right? You'll know what it was like for him to disciple people once you're discipling people, okay? Uh, I want to know Jesus in his humble service, right? I want to know what that was like. He's a servant. I want to lower myself into service so I can know him better. I want to know him in his healing. I want to know him in his miracles. That means praying the big prayers. That means going out on a limb in order that through that, even I might know Jesus a little bit better. Philippians 3.12 was the first verse that I took from this that I, uh, that I took hold of, that I claimed this is mine, right? This was like the, my life verse was Philippians 3.12. Uh, and the way I have it memorized in NIV says, not that I've uh, already obtained this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me, right? So the way, the way that I first thought about that was that, okay, Jesus took hold of me because he had this big mission, for me, right? He had this big journey for me to go on that only I could accomplish. I was the chosen one in this scenario. I don't know, I don't know what it was. I uh, still haven't found out, but I was like, okay, God's got this, this thing that only I can do, and he took hold of it because only I can do it, and so I'm going to press on so I could do that thing. But the more I think about it, the more I'm confident that what he takes hold of us for is just relationship with him. It's just to know him more. It's just to receive more of him. It's just to change your life from, uh, from you know, gloryless, destitute, uh, not knowing him into the glory of knowing him. That's what he takes hold of us for. I mean, we all know John uh, 3.16, God sent his son uh, so that anyone that believes in him could have eternal life. This is what Jesus prays in John 17. Um, he's telling God, this is eternal life, that they know you, <laughs> the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life itself is just a relationship. It's just knowledge of God. It's just familiarity with God, fellowship with him. It's not talking about heaven. It's talking about a new reality of eternal life that starts as soon as you put your faith in him. 
it started, right? The thing he came for, the one thing that he crossed the cosmos for uh, is relationship with you, and it starts as soon as you want it to start, right? It doesn't start later. It starts whenever you say yes. The more I think about it, the fulfillment of Jesus's mission wasn't necessarily on the cross or in the tomb or anything like that, but I feel like it was accomplished at that tearing of the veil, right? Where God's presence no longer contained uh, in a room in the temple, but released into the world for anyone hungry for it to feast on. Right there is when Jesus says, it is finished. What I wanted has been accomplished. What we have wanted, Father, for all eternity has been accomplished. They can know you now. Everyone can know you now. I have one more story, and then I'll invite the band up and ministry team and all those things, but um, we'll have a chance to respond. But back in January, um, I was here at a one-table worship night. If you haven't been to a one-table worship night once a month, on a Friday night, we come here um, for these powerful worship nights. I've not been to one where God did not rock me, have something fresh for me. Um, But this one... Uh, I was right here worshiping on my knees, um, face down, giving God as much glory as I had in my body. And um, my head was down, and all of a sudden, it was like I was on this grassy hill, right? And I could feel the, the grass <laughs> below me. And then right in front of me, uh, just like dropped in front of me, all of a sudden was like the, the pegs, of the bottom of a ladder. And, um, and I knew just in my heart that it was like I was in at Bethel in the book of Genesis, but I couldn't be making it up because, uh, because I looked back right there. I went, went back and read the story. And honestly, I had, I'd forgotten that there was a ladder. I knew there was like angels and all these things, but y'all like the ladder's the most important part of that story. So I wouldn't admit this unless it was true because uh, it's not very... Bible scholar of me, uh, but I forgot that there was a ladder, and but all of a sudden, right in front of me, this ladder, and this invitation from God to start climbing the ladder. And at the moment, uh, there were kind of things that in my life I knew were like distractions that uh, were kind of robbing my mind, not thinking about God as much as I should because I was so preoccupied with these things. And I thought what God was doing was was calling me away from those, right? climb up on the ladder, leave the world behind, uh, you'll be more free or whatever, higher plane of existence, that kind of thing. Uh, but Philippians 3.14 illuminated this vision a ton for me when Paul writes, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And the more I prayed about this vision, the more I realized that even here, in this big encounter, all that God was inviting me into was closer proximity to him. If I was even one rung off the, off the ground, one rung higher than I was before, I would have been closer to him. <laughs> and that's all he was looking for. That's all he was inviting me into was just knowing him more. That, it, that includes, you know, letting go of some things that are distractions and, uh, you know, letting go of the world and things like that. But what his heart was for was, would you just be a little closer to me? 
I'm inviting you just to be a little closer to me, as high as you want to climb right now. I'd be so pleased if you would just come up a little higher. Just be a little closer. And I realized that, you know, myself as a 24-year-old guy feeling called, you know, to ministry and things like that, think a lot about, oh, am I called this place or that place? Am I called west? Am I called east? You know, where am I called? And God just speaking into that, where you're called is up. The only place I'm calling you is up. Come and know me more. The only place I'm going to lead you is into more of me. That's the only thing that I want for you. And I've realized that you're pressing on and you're running the race and you're enduring trials and all those things, the prize, (laughs) the prize is that upward call. The prize is getting closer to him. The prize is knowing him better and the glory that comes from that. So I want to invite up the band, invite up ministry team. Uh, We're going to have a little chance to respond here. Um, But I told you at the start that I just wanted to talk about your story, (laughs) Uh, the story that you were written for. Um, So stand up as we receive uh, this this time here. But um, your story, what is it that God is ambitious for for you? What is it that he wants most earnestly for you? And I think if we open our ears to hear his ambitions, what we'll find is that what he is ambitious for is for you to have more of him, for you to receive the glory of walking with the king of glory, (laughs) of being in his circle, of being one of those uh, that he uh, has made righteous, that he uses, uh, and that he loves. And I think there's an opportunity here also for us to exchange a little bit of, of glory sources. I think as we're uh, here, some of us are coming in knowing that there's, there's things that we long for uh, because we're trying to get glory out of them. We're trying to get these other things to feed us. And I think right now, uh, if you want to exchange that, I want to invite you to the front. Any of these people would love to pray for you. Um, and you can be released from those things that were, you know, that were chaining you, these things that were drawing you in and away from the Lord, all right? So um, this time is open for you uh, to meet with the Lord, recommit to being hungry for Him and Him alone. Um, but yeah, receive the prayer that you need. Uh, and uh, say what you need uh, to the Lord. Lord, just ask for your courage. Ask for your, uh, your words to be spoken here uh, into these, uh, my brothers and my sisters here, Lord. Ask that you would call them. Call them up. Call them to what you want. Lord, reveal your story in them, God. In Jesus' name.